And welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some readers might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. I'm your host, Kayla, the Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. Hello. Today, we'll be reading Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. It's Halloween today. Happy Halloween. And this is a great book for spooky season and learning about Day of the Dead. Our author is a trans Latinx New York bestselling author. And my favorite fact is that they sort their bookshelves by color. They also wrote Lost in the Neverwoods and The Sun Bear Trials. And the second Sun Bear Trial book comes out in January of 2024. I'm only a little excited about it. The first one is fantastic. But going back to The Cemetery Boys, it is a young adult book published in 2020. It is also their debut novel. And the sequel to this book, it's supposed to come out the fall of 2024. Fingers crossed, it's not a definite date yet. This book is a fiction with some paranormal urban fantasy and queer romance. Here is the summary on the back. Yadriel has summoned a ghost, and now he can't get rid of him. When his traditional Latinx family has problems accepting his gender, Yadriel becomes determined to prove himself a real brujo. With the help of his cousin and best friend, Maritza, he performs the quinces ritual himself and then sets out to find the ghost of his murdered cousin, Miguel, and set it free. However, the ghost he summons is actually Julian Diaz, the school's resident bad boy, and Julian is not about to go quietly into death. He is determined to find out what happened and tie up some loose ends before he leaves. Left with no choice, Yadriel agrees to help Yulian so they can both get what they want. But the longer Yadriel spends with Yulian, the less he wants him to leave. So that is the summary. This is like a magical and mysterious book. And I love the elements of mystery in it. Some content warnings are transphobia and homophobia, misgendering, xenophobia and racism, blood and abuse. Please take care of yourself first. So without further ado, let's start the first chapter. There's a verse from a Mexican folk song, La Martiniana, and it's in Spanish. And then it also has the English translation. And I'm gonna read the English translation. Don't mourn me if you cry for me. I grieve your pain. Instead, if you sing to me, I'll always live and my spirit will never die. Chapter one. Yadriel wasn't technically trespassing because he lived in the cemetery his whole life, but breaking into the church was definitely crossing the moral ambiguity line. Still, if he was going to finally prove he was a brujo, he had to perform the rite in front of Lady Death, and she was waiting for him inside the church. The black hydro flask full of chicken blood thumped against Yadriel's hip as he snuck past his family's small house at the front of the cemetery. The rest of the supplies for the ceremony were tucked away inside his backpack. He and his cousin Maritza ducked under the front windows, careful not to bump their heads on the sills. Silhouettes of the brooks celebrating inside danced across the curtains, their laughter and the sound of music filtered through the graveyard. 
Yadriel paused, crouching in the shadows to check if the coast was clear, before he jumped from the porch and took off. Maritza followed close behind, her footsteps echoing in tandem with Yadriel's as they ran down stone paths and through puddles. Yadriel's heart fluttered in his chest, fingers brushing along the wet bricks of a columbaria wall as he watched for any signs of the brujos on graveyard duty tonight, patrolling the cemetery to make sure none of the spirits of the dead were causing trouble was part of the men's responsibilities. Spirits turning Malingo were far and few between, so the brujos' rounds mostly consisted of making sure outsiders hadn't snuck beyond the walls, keeping the graves clear of weeds and general maintenance. Hearing a guitar being played up ahead, Yadriel ducked behind a sarcophagus, dragging Maritza down with him. Peeking around the corner, he saw Felipe Mendez lounging against a tombstone, playing his vanhella and singing along. Felipe was a more recent resident of the Brujex Cemetery. The day of his death, barely over a week ago, was carved into the headstone beside him. Brujex didn't need to see a spirit to know one was nearby. The men and women in their community could sense it like a chill in the air or an itch at the back of their mind. It was one of their inherent powers given to them by their lady. The power of life and death, the ability to sense illness and injury in the living, and to see and communicate with the dead. Of course, this ability wasn't very useful in a cemetery full of spirits. Instead of a sudden chill, wandering through the Bruhek Cemetery left a constant icy tickle on Yadriel's neck. In the dark, he could barely spot the transparent quality of Felipe's body. Felipe's fingers moved in a ghostly blur as they plucked at the strings of his vanhella. It was his tether, the material possession most important to him, that kept him anchored to the land of the living. Felipe wasn't ready to be released to the afterlife quite yet. He spent most of his time in the graveyard playing his music and drawing the attention of the brujas, both the living and the dead variety. His girlfriend, Clarabelle, always chased them off, and the two spent hours together in the cemetery, as if death had never parted them to begin with. Yadriel rolled his eyes. It was all very dramatic, if you asked him. It'd be nice if Felipe could pass on her already. Then Yadriel could get a good night's rest without being woken up by Felipe's and Carabelle's bickering, or worse, his terrible renditions of Wonderwall. But the Bruhex don't like forcing a spirit to cross over. As long as the spirits were peaceful and hadn't turned malingo, the brujos left them alone, but no spirit could stay forever. Eventually, they would become violent, twisted versions of themselves. Being trapped between the land of the living and the land of the dead wore on a spirit, chipping away at their humanity. The parts that made them human eventually faded away until the brujas had no choice but to sever the connection to their tether and release them to the afterlife. Yadriel motioned for Maritza to follow him down a side path so Felipe wouldn't see them. When the coast was clear, he tugged on the sleeve of Maritza's shirt and gave her a nod. He sprinted forward, weaving between statues of angels and saints, careful not to snag his backpack on their outstretched fingers. There were above-ground sarcophagi and some mausoleums large enough to fit an entire family. He'd walked these paths hundreds of times and could navigate the maze of graves in his sleep. He had to stop again when they came upon the spirits of two young girls playing tag. They chased each other, dark curls and matching dresses billowing out around them. They giggled madly as they ran straight through the small birdhouse-like tombs that held cremated remains. The tombs were hand-painted in bright colors, 
and stood in crowded rows of golden yellow, sunburst orange, sky blue, and seafoam green. Glass doors revealed clay urns inside. Yadriel bounced on the balls of his feet as he and Maritza hid. Seeing the spirits of two dead girls running around a cemetery would probably freak most people out, but little Nina and Rosa were nefarious for other reasons. They were both huge tattletales who couldn't be trusted to not route him out to his dad. If they got dirt on you, they held it over your head and subjected you to torture, the likes of which you'd never seen. Like hours of play in hide-and-go-seek where they always used their non-corporeal bodies to cheat or purposely leave you waiting to be found behind the smelly dumpster on a hot LA afternoon, it was definitely not worth being indebted to those two. When the girls finally ran off, Yadriel wasted no time sprinting to their final destination. They rounded a corner and came face to face with the light gate to the church. Yadriel's head tipped back. Whitewashed bricks were stacked before him, forming an archway. The words El Jardin Eterno were hand-scrawled delicately in black paint, the eternal garden. The paint was faded, but Yadriel knew his cousin Miguel had already been tasked with giving it a fresh coat before the Dia de Muertos festivities began in a few days. A heavy bolted lock kept out any trespassers. As leader of the Brujax families, Yadriel's father, Enrique, held the keys and only gave them to the Brujos who were on shift to guard the cemetery at night. Yadriel did not have a key, which meant he was only allowed to enter during the day or for rituals and celebrations. Vamanos! Maritza's harsh whisper and her manicured fingernail jabbed into his side, making Yadriel jolt. Her short, thick hair was windswept. Pastel pink and purple curls framed her heart-shaped face, popping against her deep brown skin. We need to get inside before you're spotted by someone. Yadriel batted her hand away. Shh, he hissed. Despite her words of warning, Maritza didn't seem worried about getting into a heap of trouble. In fact, she looked downright excited. Dark eyes wide, a devilish grin played across her lips that Yadriel knew all too well. Yadriel crept to the left side of the gate. There was a gap between the last wrought iron bar and the wall where the brick slumped. He tossed his backpack over the wall before turning sideways and wiggling his way through. Even through his polyester and spandex binder, the bar scraped painfully against his chest. On the other side, he took a moment to adjust the half tank top under his shirt so the clasps didn't dig into his side. It had taken a while to find one that masculized his chest without being itchy or chokingly tight. Slinging his backpack over his shoulder, Yadriel turned to find Maritza having a bit more difficulty. Her back was pressed against the bricks, her legs straddling the bar as she tried to drag herself through. <laughs> Yadriel stuffed his fist against his mouth, stifling a laugh. Maritza shot him a glare as she tried to wiggle her butt free. Cayete, she hissed before stumbling through. We're going to need another way to get in here soon. She wiped at the dirt smeared across her jeans. We're getting a bit too big. Your butt's getting too big, Yadriel teased. Maybe you should lay off the pastelitos, he grinned. And lose these curves, she asked, smoothing her hands down her waist and hips. Maritza gave him a sarcastic smile. Thanks, but I'd rather die. She punched his arm before sauntering toward the church. Yadriel jogged to catch up. Rows of marigold, the flores de muerto, lined the stone path. The tall orange and yellow flowers leaned against one another like drunken friends. They had exploded into bloom over the months leading up to Dia de Muertos. 
Fallen petals dusted the ground like confetti. The church was painted white and had terracotta roof. Starburst windows flanked either side of large oak doors. Above, a small alcove was set in a semicircle wall, housing another cross. On either side, two cutouts held iron bells. Are you ready? There was no look of trepidation on Maritza's face as she watched him. She beamed, practically dancing on the tips of her toes. Yadriel's heart pulsed in his veins. Nerves roiled in his stomach. He and Maritza had been sneaking around the cemetery at night since they were kids. The churchyard was a good place to hide and play when they were little. It was close enough to the house to hear Lita when she called them for dinner, but they never actually snuck into the church before. If he did this, they'd be breaking about a dozen Bruhux rules and traditions. Yadriel nodded stiffly, his hands clenched into fists at his side. Let's do it. The hairs on the back of his neck prickled at the same time Maritza shivered next to him. Do what? The bark-like demand made them both jump. Maritza sprang back, and Yadriel had to catch her arms to keep her from bowling him over. Just to their left, a man stood next to a small peach-colored tomb. Holy crap, Tito, Yadriel exhaled, a hand still clutching the front of his hoodie. You scared the hell out of us. Maritza sniffed indignantly. Sometimes, even to Yadriel and Maritza, a ghost could go unnoticed. Tito was a squat man wearing a burgundy Venezuela soccer kit and shorts, a large worn straw hat set on his head. He squinted at Yadriel and Maritza from under the brim as he bent over the marigolds. Tito was the longtime gardener of the cemetery. Or, well, he was. Tito had been dead for four years. When he was alive, Tito had been an incredibly talented gardener. He used to supply all the flowers for the Bruhex celebrations, as well as weddings, holidays, and funerals for the non-magical folks in East LA. What had started as selling flowers from buckets at the local flea market had grown into his own brick and mortar shop. After dying in his sleep and having his body laid to rest, Tito reappeared in the cemetery, determined to take care of the flowers he'd painstakingly tended for most of his life. He told Yadriel's father he still had a job to do and didn't trust anyone else to take it over. Enrique said Tito could remain as long as he was Tito. Yadriel wondered if sheer stubbornness would keep his father from being able to release Tito's spirit, even if he tried. Do what? Tito repeated. Under the orange lights of the church, he seemed solid enough, though he was the faintest bit transparent compared to the very corporal garden shears in his hand. Spirits had blurry edges and were a little less vibrant than the world around them. They looked like a photograph taken out of focus with a saturation turned down. If Yadriel turned his head a bit, Tito's form smudged and faded into the background. Yadriel mentally kicked himself. His nerves were getting the better of him, distracting him from sensing Tito sooner. Why aren't you two back at the house with everyone else? Tito pressed. Uh, we were just going to go into the church. Yadriel said, his voice breaking mid-sentence. He cleared his throat. The rise of an unruly eyebrow meant Tito wasn't falling for it. Just to check on some supplies, you know? Yadriel shrugged. Make sure things are set up. With a shh, Tito's shears sliced off a wilted marigold from its stem. Maritza elbowed Yadriel on the side and tipped her head pointingly. Oh! Yadriel wrestled off his backpack and dug around inside, pulling out a bundled white dishcloth. I grabbed you something. Felipe was too busy with his girlfriend to care about what Yadriel and Maritza got up to, and it was pretty easy to sneak past Nina and Rosa. 
but Tito was a bit of a wild card. Tito had been good friends with Yadriel's dad, and Tito had very little patience for nonsense. But offerings of food seemed to make him look the other way. Lita just made them. It's still warm. Yadriel pulled back the layers to reveal a concha. The delicious sweetbread had a crumbly topping that looked like a seashell. I got you a green one, your favorite. If Tito wasn't convinced by his terrible lying, maybe Pandulce could sway him. Tito waved his hand dismissively. I don't care what you two Bascalitos are up to, he grumbled. Maritza gasped and pressed her hand to her chest dramatically. Us? We would never. Yadriel shoved Maritza to get her to shut up. He didn't think they were troublemakers, especially compared to some of the other younger Bruhex, but he also knew laying on the innocent act too thick would not work on Tito. Luckily, Tito seemed to want to get rid of them. Pafuera, he said dismissively, but don't touch my Semposucho. Yadriel didn't need to be told twice. He grabbed Maritza's arm and made for the church. Leave the concha, Tito added. Yadriel left it on top of the peach-colored tomb while Tito went back to trimming his marigolds. He ran up the stairs to the church, Maritza right on his heels. With a hard shove, the heavy door swung open with a groan. Yadriel and Maritza crept down the aisle. The inside was simple. Unlike a standard church, there weren't many rows of pews and there were no seats in the back. When the Bruhucks gathered for ceremonies and rituals, everyone stood in a large circle together in the open space. Three tall windows made up the asp of the church. During the day, the California sunlight streamed through the colorful, intricate stained glass. Dozens of unlit candles crowded the main altar. On a ledge halfway up the wall stood a statue of their sacred goddess. The diosa who had bestowed the Bruhucks with their powers thousands of years ago, when the gods and monsters roamed the land of Latin America and the Caribbean, the Lady of the Dead. The skeleton was carved out of white stone. Black paint accented the lines of her bony fingers, toothy smile, and empty eyes. Lady Death wore a traditional white lace-trimmed hupel and layered skirt. A mantle was draped over the crown of her head, flowing to rest on her shoulders. The neck of her dress and hem of the mantle were embroidered with delicate flowers of golden thread. A bouquet of Tito's freshly cut marigolds lay in her skeletal hands. She had many names and iterations. Santa Muerte, La Husada, Lady of Shadows. It depended on the culture and language, but each representation and image came down to the same thing. To be blessed by Lady Death, to have his own portaje, and to serve her was what Yadriel wanted most in the world. He wanted to be like the other brujos, to find lost spirits and help them pass to the afterlife. He wanted to stay up all night on boring graveyard duty. Hell, he'd even spend hours pulling weeds and painting tombs if it meant to be accepted by his people as a brujo. As Yadriel approached her, propelled forward by his desire to serve her, he thought about all the generations of brujex who had their own quince ceremonies right here. Men and women who immigrated from all over Mexico and Cuba, Puerto Rico and Colombia, Honduras and Haiti, and even the ancient Incas, Aztecs, and Maya, all bestowed with the power of the ancient gods. A mix of beautifully nuanced, vibrant cultures that came together to make their community whole. When Bruhex turned 15 years old, they were presented to Lady Death, who would give them her blessing and tie their magic to their chosen conduit their portaje. For women, portajes often took the form of a rosary, a symbol that began as a ceremonial necklace and was altered with the rise of Catholicism in Latin America. 
It was a piece of jewelry that could go unnoticed and ended with a charm that could hold a small amount of sacrificial animal blood. While a crucifix was the most common symbol, sometimes a Bruja's rosary ended with a sacred heart or a statuette of Lady Death. Men's portages were often daggers of some sort, as a blade was required to sever the golden thread that bound a spirit to their earthly tether. By cutting that tie, brujos were able to release spirits to the afterlife. Being gifted your partaje was an important rite of passage for every brujax. Everyone, except for Yadriel. His quinces had been postponed indefinitely. He'd turned 16 the past July, and he was tired of waiting. In order to show his family what he was, who he was, Yadriel needed to go through with his own quince ceremony, with or without their blessings. His father and the rest of the Bruhex hadn't left him with a choice. Sweat trickled down Yadriel's spine, sending a shiver through his body. The air felt charged, like the ground hummed with energy below his feet. It was now or never. Kneeling before Lady Death, he unpacked the supplies he needed for the ritual. He placed four prayer candles on the ground in a diamond to represent the four winds. A clay bowl went in the center to represent the earth. Yadriel had nicked a mini bottle of Cabrito tequila from one of the boxes that had been gathered for the Dia de Muertos ofrendas. He fumbled with the bottle before popping the cap off and pouring it into the bowl. The smell stung his nose. Beside it, he placed a small jar of salt. He dug out the box of matches from the pocket of his jeans. The flame trembled as he lit the candles. The flickering light sparked the gold threads in Lady Death's mantle, catching in the folds and crevices. Air, earth, wind, and fire, north, south, east, and west, all the elements needed to call upon Lady Death. The last ingredient was blood. Calling upon Lady Death required an offering of blood. It was the most powerful thing to give as it held life. Giving your blood to Lady Death was giving her a part of your earthly body and your spirit. It was so powerful that human blood given in sacrifice could not be more than a few drops. Otherwise, the offering was enough to drain any bruhex of their life force, leading to a certain death. There were only two rituals that ever called for bruhex to make an offering of their own blood. When they were born, their ears were pierced, releasing a pin drop amount of blood. This act enabled them to hear the spirits of the dead. Yadriel's ears were gauged with black plastic plugs. He liked paying homage to the ancient practice of Bruhex stretching their earlobes with increasingly large discs made of sacred stones like obsidian or jade. Over the years, he'd gotten them to about the size of a dime. The only other time Bruhex used their own blood as a sacrifice was during the quince ceremony. The offering was made from their tongues to let them speak to the diosa to ask Lady Death for her blessing and protection and that cut was made with their portaje. Maritza pulled a bundle of cloth from her own backpack and held it out for him to take. It took me weeks to make, she said, as Yadriel untied the twine, burned myself like eight times and nearly cut off my finger, but I think my dad has pretty much given up trying to keep me out of the forge. Her shrug was casual, but she stood tall, a proud grin pulling at the corners of her lips. Yadriel knew this was a big deal for her, Maritza's family had been forging weapons for the men for decades, a trade her father had brought over from Haiti. She had a keen interest in learning how to craft blades from him. Since blood wasn't used with the blades until a boy's quince ceremony, it was a way for her to still be part of the community without compromising her ethics. 
Her mom didn't think it was a proper career choice for a girl, but when Maritza set her mind on something, it was impossible to dissuade her. Nothing gaudy and ridiculous like Diego's, she said with a roll of her eyes, referring to Yadriel's older brother. Yadriel pulled back the last of the cloth to reveal a dagger nestled inside. Wow, he breathed. It's practical, Maritza explained, hovering over her shoulder. It's badass, Yadriel corrected, a wide smile pressing into his cheeks. Maritza beamed. The dagger was the length of his forearm with a straight blade and a cross guard that curved sideways like an S. Lady Death had been delicately painted onto the polished wooden grip. Yadriel held the dagger in his hand, solid and reassuring. He traced his thumb along the thin lines of gold paint that radiated from Lady Death, feeling every intricate brushstroke. This was his dagger, his portaje. Yadriel had everything he needed. Now, all that was left was to finish the ritual. He was ready for this. He was determined to present himself to Lady Death whether or not anyone else approved. But still, he hesitated. Clutching his portaje as he stared up at Lady Death, he sucked on his bottom lip. Doubt crept its way under his skin. Hey. Yadriel jumped as Mirza placed a steady hand on his shoulder. Her brown eyes were intense as she studied his face. It's just... <clears throat> Yadriel cleared his throat, his eyes sweeping around the room. Mirza's eyebrows tipped with concern. Abruhak's quinces was the most important day in their life. Yadriel's dad, brother, and abuela should have been standing next to him. As he knelt on the hard stone floor, the emptiness pressed around him. In the silence, he could hear the static of the uneasy candle flames. Under the hollowed eyes of Lady Death, Yadriel felt small and alone. What if... what if it doesn't work? he asked. Even at nearly a whisper, his voice echoed through the empty church. His heart clenched. What if she rejects me? Escuchame. Maritza gave his shoulders a tight squeeze. You got this, okay? Yadriel nodded, wetting his dry lips. You know who you are, I know who you are, and Our Lady does too, she said with fierce conviction, so screw the rest of them. Maritza grinned at him. Remember why we're doing this. Yadriel steeled himself and spoke with as much courage as he could muster. So they'll see that I am a brujo. Well, yeah, but other than that. Spite? Yadriel guessed. Spite, Maritza agreed enthusiastically. They're going to feel real stupid once you show them. And I want you to savor the moment, Yads. Really. She took in a deep breath through her nose and clasped her hand to her chest. Savor the taste of sweet, sweet vindication. A laugh jumped in Yadriel's throat. Maritza smiled. Let's do this, Brujo. Yadriel could feel the goofy grin back on his face. Just don't screw it up and make the Diosa shoot you down with lightning or something, okay? She said, backing up a few steps, I can't carry the responsibility of the family black sheep on my own. Being transgender and gay had earned Yadriel the title of head black sheep among the Bruhex. Though, in truth, being gay had actually been much easier for them to accept, but only because they saw Yadriel's liking boys as still being heterosexual. But Maritza had certainly earned the title in her own right as the only vegan Bruhex in their community. One year younger than Yadriel, she'd gone through her own quinces when she turned 15 earlier that year, but she refused to heal because it required the use of animal blood. One of Yadriel's earliest memories of Maritza was of her crying inconsolably when her mother had used blood from a pig to heal a child's broken leg. Early on, Maritza decided she wanted no part of healing if it meant harming another 
living creature. In the dim light of the church, Yadriel could see her portaje hanging around her neck, a rosary of pink quartz that ended in a silver cross, but the concealed vessel remained empty. Maritza explained that, even though she refused to use her powers, she still respected the Diosa and their ancestors. Yadriel admired her for her convictions, but he was also frustrated by them. All he wanted was to be accepted. He wanted to be given his own portaje, treated like any other brujo, and given the same responsibilities. Maritza, on the other hand, had been offered every right of the brujex, but she chose to reject it. Now, Prisa, Maritza said, waving him on impatiently. Yadriel took a deep, steadying breath. He tightened his grip on his hydro flask, the metal cool against his sweaty palms as he exhaled through pursed lips. With a more steady resolve, Yadriel unscrewed the cap and poured the chicken blood into the bowl. To her credit, Maritza did her best to hide a look of disgust. As the deep red liquid mixed with the tequila, a gust of wind blew through the church. The candle flames flickered. The air in the room felt thick, as if it were crowded with bodies, even though, except for him and Maritza, it was empty. Adrenaline coursed through Yadriel's veins and excited chills raced up his arms. When he spoke, he did his best to keep his voice steady and deep. Santa Sima, Santa Muerte, te pido tu benedicción, Yadriel said, calling up Lady Death to ask for her blessing. A rush of air brushed against his face and dragged like fingers through his hair. The flames trembled, and the statue of Lady Death suddenly felt alive. She didn't move or change, but Yadriel could feel something pressing toward him. He lit a match and dropped it into the bowl. The liquid caught, bursting into flames. Promete protegar a los vivos, guiar a los muertos, Yadriel said, vowing to hold up the responsibilities of the brujos. His hands trembled as he gripped his portaje tighter. Esta es mi sangre derramada por ti. Holding the dagger, Yadriel opened his mouth and pressed the tip of the blade to his tongue until it bit into him. He winced and held his portaje out in front of him. A thin line of red glistened on the edge of the blade in the warm light of the candles. He held the dagger over the burning bowl. As soon as the flames licked the steel, the blood sizzled and the candles blazed like torches, their flames tall and strong. Yadriel squinted as a rush of heat lit his face. He removed his portaje from the fire and spoke the final words. Con un beso te prometo mi devoción, he murmured before brushing his tongue over his lips. Balancing the hilt in his palm, he kissed the image of Lady Death. Golden light sparked at the tip of the blade and raced down the hilt to his hand. His skin glowed as the light shot down his fingers and up his arm. It traveled down his legs and curled around his toes. Yadriel shuddered, a thrilling sensation robbing him of his breath. As quickly as it had appeared, the thick thrum of magic in the church dissipated. The candle flames extinguished themselves in the same pulse. The air in the room went still. Yadriel pushed up the sleeve of his hoodie and stared at his arm in awe as the golden light faded, leaving his brown skin unadorned. He stared up at Lady Death. Holy crap, Yadriel breathed, pressing his hands to his cheeks. Holy crap, he repeated. It worked. He felt his chest, the thunderous beat of his heart pulsing against his palm. He jerked to look at Maritza for confirmation. Did... Did it work? The fire in the bowl glinted in her eyes, a huge smile on her face. There's only one way to find out. Laughter bubbled in Yadriel's throat, relief and adrenaline making him half delirious. 
Right. If Lady Death had blessed him, granting him the powers of the Bruhex, it meant he could summon a lost spirit. If he could summon a spirit and release it to the afterlife, then he would finally prove himself to everyone, the Bruhex, his family, and his dad. They would see him as he was, a boy and a Brujo. Yadriel got to his feet, holding his portaje carefully against his chest. He sucked in his lips, tasting the last traces of blood. His tongue stung, but the cut had been small. It hurt about as much as when he burned it, trying to drink café de ola fresh off the stove. As Maritza gathered the candles, pointedly steering clear of the flaming bowl of blood, Yadriel approached the statue of Lady Death. At a little over five feet, he had to crane his neck back to look up at her in her alcove. He wished he could speak to her. Could she see him for who he really was? What his own family couldn't? Yadriel had spent years feeling misunderstood by everyone except for Maritza. When he had told her he was trans three years ago, she hadn't batted an eye. I, finally, she'd said, exasperated but smiling. I'd figured something was up. I was just waiting for you to spit it out. During that time, Maritza had been his reliable secret keeper, smoothly going back and forth between pronouns when they were alone versus when they were around everyone else, until he was ready. It took him another year, when he was 14, to work up the courage to come out to his family. It hadn't gone in nearly as well, and it was still a constant struggle to get them and the other Bruhex to use the right pronouns and call him by the right name. Other than Maritza, his mother, Camilla, had been the most supportive. It took time to relearn old habits, but she'd caught on surprisingly fast. Yadriel's mom had even taken on the task of gently correcting people so he didn't have to. It was a heavy burden, small instances piling up, but his mom helped him shoulder some of the weight. When he felt especially raw from the constant fight to be who he was, either at school or within their own community, his mom would sit him down on the couch. She'd pull him close and he'd rest his head on her shoulder. She always smelled of cloves and cinnamon like she'd just made torta benharana. As she gently ran her fingers through his hair, she'd murmur, mijo, mayadriel, slowly coaxing the pain away to a dull ache that never completely vanished. But she'd been gone for almost a year now. Yadriel sniffed and dragged his fist across his nose, the back of his throat burning. This would be the first Dia de Muertos since she died. Come midnight, November 1st, the church bells would ring, welcoming back the spirits of past Bruhex to the cemetery. Then, for two days, Yadriel would be able to see her again. He would show her he was a true brujo, a son she could be proud of. He would perform the tasks that his father and his father's father had as the children of Lady Death. Yadriel would prove himself to everyone. Come on, brujo, Maritza called gently, waving him forward. We need to get out of here before someone finds us. Yadriel turned and grinned, brujo. He was about to bend down and pick up the bowl from the ground when the hairs on the back of his neck prickled. Yadriel froze and looked at Maritza, who had also stopped mid-step. Something was wrong. Did you feel that, he asked. Even in a whisper, his voice seemed too loud for the empty church. Maritza nodded. What was it? Yadriel gave a small shake of his head. It was almost like sensing a nearby spirit, but different. Stronger than anything Yadriel had felt before. A sense of unexplained dread swarmed in his stomach. He saw Maritza shiver just as he felt a tingle shoot down his spine. There was a beat of nothingness. 
Then a searing pain stabbed into Yadriel's chest. He cried out, the force knocking him to his knees. Maritza fell, a strangled cry lodging in her throat. The pain was unbearable. Yadriel's breath came in sharp bursts as he clutched at his chest. His eyes watered, blurring the vision of Lady Death standing above him. Just when he thought he couldn't stand it any longer, that surely the pain would kill him, it stopped. Tension released his muscles, and his arms and legs were limp, heavy with exhaustion. Sweat clung to his skin. His body trembled as he gulped air. Yadriel's hand clutched at his chest, right above his heart, where the throbbing pain slowly faded to a dull ache. Maritza knelt on the floor, one hand pressed to the same place. Her skin was ashen and covered with a sheen of sweat. They stared at each other, trying to catch their breath. They didn't say anything. They knew what it meant. They could feel it in their bones. Miguel was gone. One of their own had died. And that is the end of the chapter. Whew, that was a long chapter. Gosh, I don't even know. What do you think is going to happen next? Do you think Yadriel is going to tell his family? And do you think they're going to accept him as a brujol? What do you think happened to Miguel? How do you think he died? We know from the summary that he tries to summon Miguel and ends up failing in summoning Julian. When do you think that's going to happen? And how is that going to work out? How do you think meeting his mom is going to go in two days? I am so excited for what happens next. If you found that chapter intriguing enough to check out, it is available as a physical book in our library as well as a digital ebook and e-audiobook. If you need any help with your library card or with Libby, feel free to let us know. And if you are like, mm, that book wasn't really my speed, there's always another book to be discovered. Please check the show notes for some read-alikes. I have a lot of spooky books on there. And thank you for listening. Join me next time for another Next Reads.